0: But we just want to surrender to you, Jesus. Maybe for the very first time, maybe for the hundredth time, maybe for the time that we lost count. But God, every time we come, Jesus, thank you for having open arms. You accept us no matter what. So we do, we give it to you. We surrender all. We can't wait for your glorious return. just pray that as we continue to worship through the word that you would show us the things that we need to surrender to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I surrender all. Yes, if you're in the youth group, 6th or 12th grade, you can graciously leave Hey, youth group, all of you, look up here. You're all going to camp next week, right? Okay. Because all of us are challenging you to some activities. Right? We're going to teach them a lesson, right? Old guys rule. And ladies. Oh, I shouldn't say that. (laughs) See, they're already bringing the heat. If I could, um, after they make sure somebody, Doug, can you make sure that door's closed on your way out? Thank you. <laughs> so how is everybody? Wonderful. All right, good. We're going to be lively today? Because we're talking about something today that is, I don't know how else to say it than one word, awesome, okay? so hope you guys are ready you ready to listen maybe take notes whatever works for you however you remember and uh, this morning we will be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 we're going to finish out uh, chapter four and uh, as many of you know we've deviated from our study through this book for the for the past two weeks, and the first week was due to Memorial Day, and I didn't want to talk about uh, this, this chapter, knowing that many people were going to be away because it's a three-day weekend and being with friends and family. And then uh, last week we deviated because of my personal uh, schedule. Thank you, Keith. He was at the first service for a wonderful message he gave last week. And uh, First Colossians on Christ is enough. I just want to thank him for that. And because we deviated from our study... Uh, through First Thessalonians, I would I would like to. Uh, we need to take just a, a a few minutes here this morning just to do a, a quick little recap to kind of get get back in the game a little bit from where we've kind of uh, strayed. So we're kind of. On the same pace, it's very important, especially what Paul's going to talk about today to make sure that it's it kind of all flows, all right? So part one in 1 in, uh, Thessalonians chapter one, I call them part one, part two, just so if you ever miss and you go on Facebook or YouTube and you know which one, you, you would know 1 Thessalonians part one, two, so forth. So I call them part one for that reason, part one was the introduction of course and we saw that. Paul was the author, but again, hopefully you understood from that, that that the author is always the Holy Spirit, okay? He he uses people to write, but, but we can't forget, even though they are the author that penned it, they are inspired by the Holy Spirit, okay? You have to... To remember that, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God. This is God's idea. Yes, uh, God had a council of people that sat down and they put the canon of Scripture together, but they were inspired too. God knows what he wants in his love letter to us. Okay, he's a great big God. He's got it. Don't panic. This is important. This is the inspired living Word of God that, yes, God used different authors, different people, but he was right there writing it through them. You have to know that. Okay, it's very, very, very important. So we saw that Paul is the author inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he was writing to the Thessalonians, this group of people that live in the city of Thessalonica. Everybody say that. Thessalonica. Aren't you glad you live in Idaho Falls and not Thessalonica? Thessalonica. It's a cool name, but, you know, saying it all the time. I imagine you'd get good at it. And this was a city controlled by the Romans. With its many different beliefs. We looked at that. It's in modern day Greece now. It's on the coast. Uh, so there's a lot of trade coming through. Through the, through the seaway of course. And then also there was a major highway that went through there. So there's a lot of different outside culture. Different outside activities coming through. So that would bring a lot of different beliefs and idols. And you know the Romans worshipped everything. Greece, Greek and all those different things. So this. He's writing to this young church plant that is in Thessalonica, and that was the setup, that was the background that he's writing to. Then in part two of the same chapter, chapter one, we saw Paul, who was encouraged by the young, uh, by the young, his young protege, Timothy, from his report. For some reason, Paul couldn't make it back as soon as he wanted to. He was wondering what was going on, so Timothy is gone, and he's come back, and he gave Paul a report that everything was going fine there, and so he's encouraged that this young church in Thessalonica, they were standing firm, we looked at that, they were standing firm in their faith, hope, and love in their city that was hostile to this young church plant. Okay, they were hostile to them. And Paul was encouraged by Timothy's report that they're standing firm, holding fast in their faith. And then in part three, Paul brags on this church. He brags on this church by saying they are a church worth imitating because they're, they have a strong faith, hope, and love as they imitate Jesus. They were imitating what they saw in Paul. Ultimately, Paul was imitating Jesus Christ. And so this church is imitating Jesus, and he brags on them of how they're doing a great job. And he's saying that to anybody that would read this later that, you know, imitating this church as they imitate Christ is, is good. So we get to see, we get to be encouraged as well. And then in part four, Paul encourages this young church to share the hope that is in them. What is the hope that is in them? It's the message of forgiveness and grace found in Jesus. So he's saying, look, you guys are doing a great job. It's a great thing, but you've got to get out the holy huddle. You've got to get away from us four no more. You've got to go out into the city, into the byways, and, and you need to share, share this message to be effective in evangelism. Everyone say out loud, I am an evangelist. I am an evangelist. You are. Well, Pastor Jay, those aren't my giftings. It doesn't matter. You're still an evangelist. There is still somebody. God wants to use you to share this message of grace, hope, forgiveness in the Lord Jesus Christ. And through that message, we broke down in the scripture the MRA acronym that Paul uh, talks about. We are to have the right motive, right, when we're speaking with people, the right motive to share the message. We are to build relationship with the lost, and then we are to move into action. So we saw that, how that message uh, pertains to them, but it pertains to us as well, doesn't it? And then Pastor Daniel closed out chapter 2. All that happened in the first two chapters uh, in part 5 as he examined the source of our joy. Thank you, uh, Pastor Daniel, for that. Then in part 6 of 1 Thessalonians chapter uh, 3, we saw this challenge, and that was do not be unsettled. Just in their day, as they were... uh, dealing with many different cultural issues and everything else. The Bible says there is nothing new under the sun. So they were dealing with issues as well, and Paul was encouraging them, do not be unsettled. How many of you are thankful that we can be encouraged today in our current time, in our culture, to not be unsettled? God's still on the throne. He's still in control. Can I get an amen? amen. So we saw that, how He's speaking to them, and he's speaking to them to us. And then 3 weeks ago we dove into chapter 4, which was part 7, and we saw the challenge to live a life that pleases God. What do you mean I have to I have to do something with my faith? Yes, yes, you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you repent from your sin and you ask for forgiveness and then you're put on this journey, on this path to live a life that pleases the Lord and not your sinful nature. That's what we looked at. Yes, we're called to be like Jesus, not be Jesus, but to live a life that is holy, that is separated from the world, right? We're not going to be perfect, but we should be transformed. We should be changed. We talked about sanctification and what that means in that message. It's very, very important that we're living a life that pleases God in word and deed. Now, this is where we'll pick up this morning here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to be reading verses 13 all the way down through 18 and what what I'm calling, of course, part 8. And all these previous messages can be found on our Facebook and our, our YouTube page. If you want to go back and listen to them, they're there for you. Can we pray? Father, we love you. We're so thankful that you created the church. You created the body of believers. Lord, and we all have a part in it. We're so thankful that we can come and worship together, Lord, like you call us to. That we're not going to fall into a place... Uh, In a habit where we forsake the meeting of one another, that we continue to meet with one another to encourage, to worship, to study the word, to fellowship, to grow, to live a life that pleases you. And I pray that you're in our midst today, that you speak clearly to each and every one of us in only a way that you can. And we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So before we read uh, chapter 4, verse 13 through 18... I would like to share with you part of a blog, and in the, in the, the blog, the page is called From My Corner Online. It's where you can find it. I, I didn't see the author's name, but full credit goes for what I'm about, about to read. It, it's From My Corner Online, and the name of the blog on this page is 100 Things I Believe. Now, these aren't 100 things I necessarily believe. That's the name Of this blog okay 100 things I believe and it starts by saying this we began on September 4th 2014 our 100 things I believe in list and here it is it took us 24 days to complete thanks all who participated it was a fun forum game and it really made us think so so obviously they got a bunch of different collective ideas and they built This hundred things I believe list. And yes, I'm going to read each one of them to you today. But trust me, they're only one word, most of them. So it's not going to take very long. Are you ready to hear the 100 things I believe list? Well, you're going to hear it anyway. All right, here it is. And it starts with number one. I'm not going to say the number every time. but It starts out this way. God... Love at first sight, generosity, sleep, kindness that bounces back like a boomerang, the beauty of God's creation, the love of family, good, healthy food. I don't agree with that one. I like good food. Healthy food is not good. It's going to call it like it is. Community, loyalty, memories, a life of learning, patience, patience. Weekends, prayer, sunrise, dogs, love. And I'm going to stop right here and say out of these hundred things, a cat is not mentioned once. <laughs> I know that offends some of you, especially my mom if she's watching. <laughs> Number 18, willpower, forgiveness. And I like these three. Yeah, you got to know they're separate, but if you don't, they sound funny. Grace, green cheese. I like grace green cheese. No, they're all separate. Grace, green, and cheese, music, silence, positive thoughts, hot showers, electricity, encouraging others, tea, and for many of you, your favorite, chocolate power, grandchildren, taking photos, simplicity, hope, equality, five senses, healing, coffee, relationships, changing seasons, movies, popcorn, giving, Fire, warmth, and flickers. That's one. I don't understand what flickers are, but they like it. Number 45, clean bed sheets, open windows, perseverance, friends, vacuum cleaners, fresh mountain air, wildflowers, fresh air, relaxing baths, audiobooks, coffee makers, attitude checks, ocean, text messaging. That should not be on here, by the way. Text messaging, the Voxer app. I don't know what that is. EHDs. Lots of blankets, sunlight flickering on leaves, educating my children, wood stoves, gratitude, acceptance, kindness, being genuine, unexpected help, indoor plants. Once again, I know my mom loves that one. Long, comfortable skirts, being content, giving feedback, to-do lists, being prepared, clean drinking water, digital photo frames, just being, good night, sunsets, medicine, Vehicles that run, summer, faithfulness, blessings, journaling, computer, and laptops. Phone and tablets shouldn't be on the list, right? Phone and tablets should not be on the list. I don't think so. Number 89, a body that works for the most part. Homemade sweets, which is by far the best. Smell of baking, smell of rain, pumpkin season, repurposing old things to make something new. My wife's favorite. Number 95, digital scrapbooking, online teaching courses, artistic high after creating, wisdom and and assertment, blue deep sky, and number 100, bird songs. Now, this is just a fun, interesting list. That's all. It's just a fun, interesting list. You may agree with all of them or none of them. All right? I get it. Not sure, we're not sure how many people contributed to its creation, but there you have a hundred things I believe list. Now I know some of you may be asking, why in the world would I share such a list with all of you this morning? Because this morning, my desire and my hope is to challenge each of you to examine with me the return of Jesus for his church. In the text, we're going to read in just a few minutes, Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says several times, we believe. So in a sense, this is what we as believers, this is our believe list, in a sense. Especially the big one we're going to talk about. He mentions uh, several things, but we believe. This is what we believe. Are you with me? I believe that if you have been a part of the Bridge Church for any length of time, I truly believe you have been challenged to examine and know why you believe in the greatest story ever told, the story of Jesus from his birth, life, death, and resurrection. I believe in all my heart that if you've been here any length of time, you have heard the greatest story ever told, and you have had the opportunity, if you have not already, to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. This morning, I pray you leave this place with a, great, a greater understanding of his soon return, especially in our time of desperation. Just reflect on last year's events. And not just the coronavirus, just reflect on all of it. From the riots, I, I don't even want to start naming them. From from social issues, all of it. It really does appear that we are living in a time of desperation. So are you ready to read this This list and look at the Lord's return are you ready all right we're going to read through we're going to read through this rather quickly and then we're going to we're going to backtrack on it first Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 13 and 18 brothers he's talking to the church remember when he says brothers he means men and women of the church he's talking to believers he's talking to this young church Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. He's talking about those that grieve the loss of people that have died. that They don't have no hope that that's it. We'll talk about that more in a minute. Number 14, we believe that Jesus died. There, There it is. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Verse 18, therefore, encourage each other with these words. Should we just close in prayer? We believe, right? Right? All right, so there's a lot packed into these six verses, so let's go and unpack them for greater understanding this morning. Verse 13, brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. So let's look at that word ignorant. Ignorant. To be ignorant, this is, this is what it means in this, this passage. It's this what Paul is trying to get us to understand as believers. To be ignorant refers to people who walk through life, giving no thought to life's purpose as to where they came from, why they are here, and where they are going. Paul is telling brothers, sisters in the Lord, we don't need to be ignorant about these things. We can no. We can know. Did you know that? We can know. We, we can know. God, God wants us to know, and Paul is reaffirming that to these believers. Paul is telling this young church and all believers that we can know. God does not want us to be in the dark, so to speak. I mentioned this a few weeks ago. God has given us the word of God. He has shown us a picture of who he is, the characteristics. He's given us his word from start to finish, his love letter to us. So we can know, so we can live with, without being in ignorance about where we came from, where we're going, and what's happening in our life. We can know. We can have hope knowing that there is an afterlife. There is hope. There is hope. You did not evolve from a rock that took billions of years to create you. That's what we believe, right? We believe you were created in the image of God. All right, you're not from a rock. It takes, it takes more faith to believe that billions and billions and billions of years ago, water rolled down a rock and some chemical reaction started and life started. And after that, billions and billions and billions of years ago, you're sitting here because it evolved that way. It takes more faith to believe that. And by the way, that is still a theory. They present it as fact now, but they have not shown it to be happened they've not shown anybody that it's taking place at any time it's a theory church it's a theory but they're telling our kids it's a fact if they want to present it as a theory that's fine in school but they should also present creationism as a theory I I believe it to be true but if they want to present both they should give both as a theory and let kids decide amen Not just cram one down your throat and say, here, this is a fact, this is the way it is. Oh, by the way, we have no proof, but if you're going to believe in there's a God, then that means you're going to be accountable someday, and we're not going to have that. So this is much easier to believe. Sorry, my little spill on creationism. You see, we grieve when Paul is talking here about having hope, those that don't have hope. When we grieve the loss of someone, it's for a short time if they're a believer, right? We grieve because we miss, we miss them. We miss other believers, not because we will not see them again. Because we believe they're with Jesus. And we believe that if we believe in Jesus, that someday we're going to see them again. We miss them, but we're going to be with them forever, And by the way, if you don't know how long forever is, it's a long time. (laughs) Paul also, Paul Paul does not want them, us, to be ignorant about those who have fallen asleep. Okay, this is where we're going to dive in a little bit. Many teach and believe when you see this phrase, fallen asleep, or another phrase you'll see often is, Uh, sleep in Jesus, it refers to a time that born-again believers will spend a season in some sort of soul sleep while they wait for the return of Jesus, okay? Some kind of soul sleep or purgatory. Purgatory, you know, uh, some people teach that your loved ones go into purgatory and if they've done a lot of uh, bad things in the world, that you can pay their way out of purgatory. Did you know that's not scriptural? That's not in the Bible anywhere in the Bible. In fact, the Bible says it's appointed man once to die and then the judgment. It's over. Okay, so there is, there is no soul sleep. There is no, no purgatory. I want to draw your attention to this story in Luke chapter 23, verses 39 through 43. It's the story of the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. As he hung on the cross, he has a thief on his right and a thief on his left. And this is where we're going to pick up. Verse 39 of Luke chapter 23. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him, at Jesus. He said, aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. He's mocking Jesus. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? He said, since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he, said, then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today you will begin your season of soul sleeping. Is that what he said? No, he said, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. He didn't tell him you're going to go somewhere and take a fiesta or go be in a deep coma. He said today. Today. 1 Corinthians fifteen forty-four also says this. If there is a natural body, our physical body, there is also a spiritual body. Now, we're created in the image of God. Now, God is three in one, right? God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Isn't it interesting that the Bible always says, love love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul? We're made in the image of God. So I think there's something to three of us in one. Right? A little bit? Because it's pretty clear. So... So when it, when it says, uh, so then when, what does falling asleep or sleep in Jesus mean? Then what, what does that mean? The Bible often mentions death of, a, of the physical body as sleep. So this physical, like the, the thief on the cross, he died on the cross that day or the next day. He died. His body was put somewhere, and it's still there today, decayed, whatever. But that day, his spiritual body went into paradise, Now, we don't really have a full spectrum of what that looks like, how we can still identify people, right, in the spiritual body when we get to heaven. But somehow it happens. Aren't you glad when you get there you're going to get to see how it happens and then hopefully it'll make a little bit more sense, right? But the Bible often talks about uh, people falling asleep means they're dead. Matthew 27, verse 52, bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep. Bodies of the saints who have died. It doesn't mean all the saints before us are stashed away in a little cache somewhere in a big cave in a big sleep. All the saints before us, all the believers before us have passed away. John 11, verse 11 through 14, Jesus says of his friend Lazarus, who was dead, he said, Our friend sleeps. Which we know Jesus went and raised him from the dead. Didn't resurrect him, he raised him from the dead because later on Lazarus dies. Acts chapter 7, verse 60, as Stephen is stoned to death, it is said he fell asleep. We know that Stephen is the first recorded martyr of the faith and and he, he died. Heaven opened up, he's seen Jesus. He said, Look, I see Jesus at the right hand of God the Father and made the Pharisees even angrier. They throw more rocks at him and he dies. So we see that. And as I said a minute ago, some teach and believe this, these passages support the doctrine of soul sleeping. Souls that are unconscious between death and resurrection. But nowhere in the Bible does it say that the souls of our departed loved ones are somewhere in a deep sleep. Like a coma waiting for the resurrection of the dead. Are you thankful? Does that sound like a loving God? I mean, just think of the first recorded death in the Bible, Cain and Abel. Right? He's a believer. If that was the case, that brother's been asleep for a long time. Waiting for the resurrection, but that's not the case. The phrase fallen asleep refers to the physical body, not the soul. So our physical body falls asleep. It dies, and we're going to talk about this for a second, and hopefully it really clears clears it up for some of us. The word sleep implies rest, right? When you go to bed at night, you rest. You wake up in the morning, oftentimes somebody asks you, how did you sleep? I didn't sleep well, I didn't get much rest. So to sleep in our physical body, sleep means we rest. Our physical bodies will go into a time of rest while our soul goes on to be with the Lord if the person is a born-again believer, okay? So our spirit goes, our body stays, and it's resting. You can have it, right? It's resting. So sleep implies one ceases in the activities they are accustomed to doing while awake, so what you are accustomed to doing in this life, in this sphere of influence that we're in, in this shell of a body, what we're accustomed to doing comes to an end when we go to be with the Lord, and the Lord says, We're just going to put your body over here to rest. You want to hear something really cool, though? Sleeping. Is a, is a prelude to an awakening. Hear me. So, it is with the death of our physical bodies. It's the same thing. As we saw, our souls are present with the Lord in paradise. At the resurrection of those who have fallen asleep, there will be a great awakening. A great awakening. Glorified and trans, transformed bodies, our souls will reunite with our perfect bodies. Pastor Jay gets all his hair back. mention that a lot. You can tell it bothers me that I'm losing my hair. So no more jokes. I just opened Pandora's box, didn't I? But see, if we're asleep in our physical bodies, that means there's going to be a great awakening. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 through 54. Paul is writing again as inspired by the Holy Spirit. He says, Listen, I tell you a mystery. Because this is a mystery to us, isn't it? This is a mystery. We are encapsulated, we are enclosed in this physical body until it falls asleep, until it dies, and then we leave. Okay, so it's a mystery because we don't fully understand how that works because we are in this realm. So he says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. We will not all die. But we will all be changed in a flash, in a twinkling of an eye. That's, that's fast, okay? At the last trumpet. The trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised imperishable. And we will be changed. Imperishable that will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable. So there's a change to this physical body, and the mortal will, uh, and the mortal with immortality. And I said immorality at the last service. (laughs) And the mortal with immortality. Mortal means you don't live forever. Immortality means you live how long? In this physical body. Now Jesus is the only one that's been resurrected from the dead and into his glorified body. Others have been brought up from the dead, as I've said earlier. People have raised from the dead. They've been healed, raised from the dead. Jesus did it with Lazarus. We can read in the Bible. But those people died again. They're not alive. It was a one time healing. They were brought back. They, that's not their resurrection. They died and now they're in heaven and their bodies are here. Jesus, when he died on the cross, he died. He was put in the tomb in his body, his spirit left. And the Bible says he went to Hades and he let the captives free. Those that weren't allowed to go into paradise yet because he hadn't given his life. They were in Abraham's bosom. There was a a great divide between those who believed and didn't believe. And it it says Jesus took the captives free and he took them to paradise. Then he came back to his body. So those three days. And his body is a resurrected body. And the, the disciples saw it. He was able to pass through doors. He was he's not a ghost, right? But he had he had glory all upon him because that's his resurrected body. So we're going to get a resurrected body like that. We're not going to be Jesus, but we're going to be like that. So Jesus body left the tomb because he came back to it in spirit. And we're going to come back to our bodies. But not the same broken down body. Then it goes on in 1 Corinthians. Then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. No more death. No more death. See, I I hope you all understand what the Lord has, he has stored up for those who love him. There's no soul sleeping church. Is that anything to look forward to? There is no soul sleeping. We believe, we believe, we believe we will be with him this day in paradise. All right, let's go on to the next verse. I better speed it up. He goes on in verse 14. We believe that Jesus died There it is. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. You see, that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep means they are with him now. It doesn't say we Believe that God will bring with Jesus those who He wakes up from their soul sleep. Hey, hurry, get up, drink this coffee, you gotta go. Jesus is going. No, He's gonna bring them back with Him that have put their faith in Him. So we believe Jesus died for our sins and rose again so we can be with Him. Let's go on to verse 14. According to the Lord's own word, and many believe that Paul is referring to what Jesus, uh, what's recorded in Matthew 24 when he talks about the end of the age, signs of the times. They believe in it. You can read that later. We don't have time. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we are still alive. Let me, let me back up. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive who are left till the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. See, I believe this validates that those who are with the Lord now in their spiritual bodies will be uh, reunited with their physical bodies. Now, many of you know, a few weeks ago, I, I said, said something that some of you are still laughing about, but I said, that's why when I, when I, if, if I fall asleep or die before the Lord returns that I want the most impact when he comes back and reunites me with my body. I want, I, I want to be cremated and I want my ashes poured out somewhere. As I'm going, they're going to be coming to know the Lord. I want to be put somewhere. That's, that's fine if you want to be put in a great, peaceful place. I, I'm, that's great. That's wonderful. But I want to be put someplace... Or people don't know the Lord. And so when I'm reunited with my body and I'm heading up, they're hitting their knees. Are you right? You hear what I'm saying? And I think I shared with you, I I saw an article, I saw a documentary that I, I don't know if it's true to this day, but I know one of the top places in the world that people want their ashes spread is either at Disney World or Disneyland or both. For some reason, security there is always uh, people sneak it in and they sit and they're trying to put it on flowers or let it out on a roller coaster or something for that person. It's an ongoing issue for the security team there. Whoever would have thought. I want to be someplace a lot rougher than that. Find the most Debauchery, worst place you can find. Maybe dump me in New Orleans at the French Quarter, and at the height of Mardi Gras. Poof. Think about it. Think about it. I move on. But here's, here's something interesting about this text, verse 15. Think about it. How can the living, those that are alive when this happens, how can the living go before those who are with the Lord already except that they are getting their resurrected bodies? They're already with the Lord, so how can the living go before They're already with Jesus, so how can we go before them? That means they're going to come back, get their bodies, and go, and then we're going to go right behind them in a twinkling of an eye. Does that make sense? Verse 16, we're going to go on. It says this. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven. Jesus. You see, this is so important in the history of mankind. This is so important. God's not sending an archangel. He's not sending an angel. He's not sending a messenger. He's coming himself, all right? He's coming himself. That's kind of a big deal. There are a lot of places in Scripture where you read about he's going to come himself. Jesus is coming himself because he's coming for his bride. He's coming for his church. You are his beloved. You are important. And he wants to greet you personally. Don't miss out on that, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So there's going to be a sound that rings out around the world. The voice and a trumpet. And I believe it's going to be high definition like you've never heard before. I believe it's going to be a sound that's going to shake the core of every person alive. It's going to vibrate inside of you. Something just happened, people. Verse 17, after that, after dead in Christ rise, after that we who are still alive... And are left, so we didn't experience the first death. We're still here. Those that have fallen asleep, they've gone up. Jesus comes back in the clouds, and he brings those spiritual people, those spiritual bodies with him. He says, "Go get your new glorified bodies." So if they're in a if they're in a casket in a grave, they're coming out. Coming out. Oh, that just sounds crazy. Our God's awesome. It ain't crazy. It's awesome. They're coming out. And then as they they come down, they hit their bodies, and they come out. If you're still alive and you're a born-again disciple, you're right behind them. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up. I love when I like to talk to people, oh, you guys, you believe in the rapture. Rapture's not even in the Bible. Yes, it is. Caught up, that's a Greek word for rapture. When you say rapture, you're just saying caught up in one word instead of two. So it's right there. Okay, so you can say, okay, fine, rapture's not in there, but it says we're going to be caught up. Apples, apples, oranges, oranges. After that, we who are still alive and are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds. That is so awesome. So all our loved ones that have have died before us, gone before us, they they hit their glorified bodies and then they stop in the clouds and we meet them in the clouds. And as I said in the first service, and then Jesus hands all of us a harp and we sit there and play kumbaya forever. We meet him, first of all, Jesus, which is going to be incredible in and of itself. But we're going to be reunited with all of our friends and families that were born again believers in the clouds. We're going to see him in the clouds first if you're still alive. That's pretty cool. I mean, that is really pretty cool. And so we will be with the Lord for a little while, forever, forever people, forever, no more pain, no more suffering, none of those things, and the Bible, we'll talk about this in the weeks to come, but the Bible talks about a new heaven and a new earth. Spread out for those that love God. Go explore my children. I believe that's why it talks about people coming in and out of the holy city because I believe God says, I love you guys so much. Wait, you you thought what I created before that you were limited to in your body was awesome. Now you're not limited to in your body. Wait till you go and see stuff on different planets. I know it's just my theory, but I think it's pretty awesome. Yeah, why not? How big is your God? You see, we believe, we believe we will be with the Lord forever. We believe that as born-again believers. We believe it. You have to believe it. The Bible says it. And in verse 18, he says, Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Are you encouraged this morning? Amen, you should be. Are you encouraged this morning with these words? That's why Paul wrote them to the Thessalonians after everything they were going through that we looked at over the last few weeks. He is encouraging them. You should be encouraged as well as you live in such a time as this. Please listen to me, church. Listen to me, please. It is very clear that we are seeing, as the Bible says, the increase of wickedness in our day. We're seeing it. Do you, do, you re, do you remember just a couple of years ago when the whole bathroom issue about who can use what bathroom and sex and everything? Remember how mo- most of us were just like mortified? What are you talking about? Doesn't even seem like an issue anymore in our day, does it? We are seeing the increase of weakness in light of God's word. Morality is, is out the window. We are living in a time of desperation where people are living in a state of doubt and fear if they're non-believers. If you're a believer, yes, I I can understand the uncertainties of what we're seeing. I can understand that. But don't be in doubt. Be encouraged. I don't know what's going to happen. We'll talk more about that in the weeks to come. I don't know the timing. We kind of have the timing of it. but, But don't be in doubt and fear. Live knowing that he's coming back for you. We're living in what seems to be a broken generation. Right has become wrong, and wrong has become right, right before our very eyes. Now, now, more than ever, you and I as born-again, spirit-filled believers need to shout it from the rooftops that we believe, okay? We believe we believe. If that is you this morning, would you please stand with me if you're able? Now the first the first service, I told them I told them that I was going to see if you guys were going to be louder. So on three, I'm going to count to three, and when I say three, I want everyone to say, "If you believe," I want everyone to say, "We believe." All right, one, two, three. We believe. Oh, that was good. I, I'm going to give you guys another shot because that was awesome. One, two, three. Woo! That's you guys just shook me to my core. You know what? I don't think that's good enough this morning, though. As awesome of a, as it is, you see, I think we need to sing it. We need to sing. We need to sing. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe He has given us a new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe He conquered death. We believe in the resurrection. We believe He's coming back again. We believe. Are you encouraged, church? It doesn't matter what world has to tell you. Uh, First, second Peter chapter three, verse three says, people are going to be mocking. Where is his return that you've been talking about for all these years? Generations go and generations come. They keep going. Where is his coming? Oh, it's coming. You don't have to believe in it, but it's still coming. Be encouraged. Let's sing this song together. Sing it. If you believe it, sing it with all your heart this morning. I'll come back and close the prayer.